Oh yeah, you know. So so this is where gratitude, purpose, and optimism. You know, the research is so um, enlightening because you'll see that um, people who are who have a lot of gratitude, for instance, aren't necessarily the people who have more in their lives, but recognize more. Um, the people who are optimistic actually have lower levels of denial than people who are pessimistic. Um, they're actually more likely to read the information that that is threatening to them than mm-hmm. someone who's less optimistic. So an optimistic person may not even come across as being quote unquote, very positive. An optimistic person may often look at a bad situation and go, holy smokes. Hey everyone, this is bad. We got to figure out what to do. Welcome to the Habits to Goals podcast with Martin Grunberg. It's time to take control of your life. Are you ready to achieve goals faster and more consistently than ever before? You need the habit factor. You're listening to Habits to Goals, the podcast that helps you create the habits that lead to success. And here is Martin Grunberg. All righty, here we go. Welcome back. Thank you very much for joining us. That's right. Today we have one of our legendary guests almost in the studio. We are socially distancing, giving current events, but you may recall the brilliant Glenn R. Fox, PhD. He's the head of design strategy and outreach at USC Performance Science Institute. This goes all the way back to season two, episode 12. I think we titled the the episode back then, Gratitude is the Game Changer. Today, we're going to change it up a bit because it's a second interview. So I'm sure you're going to want background about Glenn. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode today. Again, changing it up. We're going to talk about current events, what's going on with this coronavirus, COVID-19, I told Glenn, I read one, one of his recent blog posts, and I thought it was terrific. And again, because he has great expertise in concepts around gratitude and hope and purpose. In any event, this is too long and open. So Glenn, how are you doing, sir? Great to have you on the show again. Thanks, Martin. And I'm doing great. Thank you for hosting me again. It's been a few years. I ought, I actually still think back with uh, fondness to our uh, interview a few years ago. So it's great to be back and kind of, uh, you know, complete the circle or start the second lap. So yeah, to speak. you know, look, I'm going to have you on as a regular if you let me, but uh, <laughs> so we're not completing anything. Um, but I look back on fondness as well, and I, I should have mentioned, as I did in that episode, for, for the new listeners, Glenn was instrumental when, when uh, I worked on the pressure paradox, which was a follow-up to the habit factor. He helped me greatly with a, a survey, and we, we collaborated around this idea of, of pressure and what we called the pressure prism. So, Glenn, again, thank you for that help. All right. As we like to kick it off with the GTR, the Good Things Report, that we will hold consistent to. Um, you can go first or I can go first, but let's kick it off with a good thing, given what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess the big the big good thing, we have a, a baby on the way, a son, 
he's due, yeah, he's due in uh, about five weeks. It definitely frames the context for a lot of our discussion today. It's a huge blessing and things I'm, I'm incredibly gra- grateful for happening in the midst of quite a bit of turmoil. So, right. um, you know, it's just as important to focus on that as it is, you know, the, the very real threats that we face, but, um, that, that, that keeps me going. I, I actually have to admit something. I'm sitting here in what will become the nursery. Oh, wow. And I have a bunch of disassembled or halfway assembled Ikea furniture. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ikea furniture can never be assembled properly. No, I don't think so. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I love building things. I'm a woodworker, but we needed speed here. And so I'm, I'm like, oh man, I might have to reinforce some stuff, but it's, it's really funny. So no, we're, we're just super excited though. I mean, it's, it's quite an adventure. First one. Um, a son, a son, you said in about five yes. weeks, five weeks yes. away. Have That's you, right. have you selected a name or is that jinxing something? Well, I don't know about either of those. I mean, we have, what we're doing is we have a, a list of names. We have some family names, um, right. you know, and, and then some kind of names we came up with. And so we're going to meet him first and then, and then we'll see what <laughs> yeah. it's like. Name them after you see them. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what he responds to, you know. <laughs> that's that's terrific. Well that yeah. that's exciting time. I can yeah. I can vividly remember and I don't <laughs> I don't remember much, but uh yeah, the birth of our our daughters and what a wild time that was. So congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yeah, what's your what's your good things? What's yeah, your GTR, yeah, I was just Martin? gonna say, uh so I guess we'll keep it keep it in house, so to speak. One of my daughters, the, the, the youngest one that's still in high school, this is a bit dated, but not too much since I haven't done interviews. It's, it's the one that comes top of mind. She won, uh, their CIF. So she plays on, on the varsity, uh, soccer team. And now I'm remembering you and I were going to meet right around that time last time. So, so the short story is they won CIF. They ended up number one in San Diego. And it's she's just on a team with such talented, hardworking girls. And it's just such a great uh, experience to be part of that fun. So to end up number one in San Diego is amazing. That's huge. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so you got that sort of fun stuff to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, that's great stuff. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And, um you know, it, it sounds like a, a great adventure for you and the family and your daughter. It's an insane adventure. So let's let's set the table. We we are in unprecedented times. We could. I'm just thinking now. We could go down the pressure avenue, but but I'm going to try not to. But unprecedented times, uh, truly a great threat. Doesn't mean we have to live in in fear. Um, but, you know, every day I take a snapshot of, of these headlines just because I envision a collage at some point in the future. And, you know, I guess if if it bleeds, it leads. So they always lead with these scary headlines. But talk to me about why you, you took the time um, to write what you wrote and and how it kind of intersects with all this work you've done on optimism and gratitude and purpose. Um, 
you know, I'm not putting you on the spot. You don't have to recite it verbatim, but there are certainly some general themes there that, that I think are applicable and helpful to the listener. Yeah. So the way that the impetus behind that post stems from this idea that we like to think of gratitude and purpose and optimism as the emotions that happen when everything is great and we feel great. And we tend to often put those off when we actually can use them, which is during the dark times. Interesting. And there's a, there's a paradox there that we train our mind to practice things like optimism and gratitude and to focus on things that are bigger than us or things that we um, find deeply motivating, right? Through purpose. And we, we tend to forget that the reason why we should train uh, our minds to be easily predisposed to these skills is exactly for situations like this. Our first reaction to pain usually is to run or to really do whatever we can to make it go away Mm. Um, and to fear and to pressure, right? The circle back there. And we, our first reaction is try to make it go away and to find any reason we can think of to not um, look it in the eye. And the, the, the more progressive response. And I think maybe the more healthy response is is indeed to look at, what is the, the extent of the situation? What do we know? What do we have at our disposal to address it? And what kind of future do we want to create from where we sit right now? The reason for the blog post then was to remind people that, no, this moment is the time, paradoxically, for gratitude and optimism and to focus on our purpose. And it's really through reframing what those words actually mean to us that we begin to get work done. Right. And, and that's super powerful. So the first thought that comes to my mind as I digest these ideas is, is this idea that, and we always hear it, you know, the comfort zone, right? And, and there, there, there's the, there's the flight or, or fight and, we're motivated by pain and pleasure. And so you're saying that there's this progressive or enlightened approach to pain that is one to assess it, take, take in the information and even go so far as to see, say, or see where, where is there that I can have gratitude perhaps towards this or optimism? Yeah, that it's exactly. I mean, it, that's the that is the skill, right? And right. the the thing is that it's through daily and regular practice of these things that we build our muscles, so to speak, yep. that can help us lift during uh, these times. And I've noticed it just just with working with a lot of people that people just think these things are synonyms for happiness. Um, and, and it's not, you know, and that's, that's exactly the thing that, you know, we studied, uh, gratitude in the context of, uh, Holocaust survivors. Mm. And that seems completely counterintuitive and it is, 
And it's in no way to make, make, um, you know, put a silver lining on that tragedy, of course, but to the contrary, it is actually to showcase that even amidst, um, profound human suffering, there are still these courageous acts of human dignity and, um, and, and deep sacrifice. And we're seeing that now, right? We're seeing these yeah. things. Oh, we're seeing, you know, there's, there's this myth that, when things get tough, society falls apart. And of course, you know, you see the fist fight over the toilet paper or whatever. <laughs> um, but, but if you look, you actually look at the, the more common response that people are showing is, is very compassionate. Um, you know, talk about that as a, as a means for gratitude, you know, that, that we, we know from a lot of research that uh, when things get tough, it's not that all people pull together all the time. Of course not. But it is that the general trend um, is toward people actually trying to help or at least not trying to hurt each other actively, right? I mean, yeah, um, it's huge. It's a really important, really profound aspect. So there's there's something we can start to feel grateful for right there. So punching each other over toilet paper is not the progressive enlightened approach. <laughs> Guess it depends on your state of mind, but um, yeah, typically no. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's a few related thoughts there. One one of my uh buddies, he's been a guest on the show, Shay Eskew. Uh he lives out in Tennessee. He is in fact we did the the rim to rim to rim challenge. He's he's a world class triathlete. He does half Ironman and he just destroys them, you know, top 10 finishes. He's amazing, but he's got this, this. So when you talk about training the mind, his, his motto, and I believe this comes out of the military is embrace the suck. <laughs> so, so it's, it's this idea that, you know, if, if you're not hungry, you've eaten too much. If you're not tired, you've slept too much. It's, it's training yourself for the uncomfortable. Um, and then the, the other tangent thought here, of course, and I know you wrote about it, and I was explaining to my wife this morning that his book, you know, Victor Frankl, uh, Man's Search for Meaning is now, I don't know, top 200 in all of Amazon. And, and it's so, it's so appropriate to, what we're talking about and what the nation and the world is going through, it's, it's finding that, that light in the darkness, so to speak, um, and finding that freedom to choose our attitude, right? He called it the last of the great human freedoms to choose our attitude. Um, no matter like everything can be taken from us, but our ability to choose our attitude. Yeah. This is what you're saying. You can yeah. choose the attitude of optimism. You can choose the attitude of hope and gratitude and, and find purpose. And of course, that's what Frankel did. So, uh, brilliant. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, to that point, Martin, I mean, it, what, what we're really talking about trends toward the Buddhist way of thought that, that, that there's a lot of value in, um, thinking a little bit about how the outside world affects our inside world, meaning our inside world being the things we feel, the things we think, the nature of how we talk to ourselves, our self-talk. Yep. And then the outside world is, you know, what it is. 
And <laughs> the, the, the practice of this is actually to sort of disentangle the inner world from the outer world and to develop a sense of curiosity for, uh, whatever pains and, and, um, ups and downs might be on the outer world to sort of still have a calm, compassionate and grateful presence in our inner world to, to frame these things. And it's, oh yeah, you know, so, so this is where gratitude, purpose and optimism, you know, the research is so, um, enlightening because you'll see that, um, people who are, who have a lot of gratitude, for instance, aren't necessarily the people who have more in their lives, but recognize more. Um, the people who are optimistic actually have lower levels of denial than people who are pessimistic. Um, they're actually more likely to read the information that, that is threatening to them than mm. someone who's less optimistic. So an optimistic person may not even come across as being quote unquote, very positive. An optimistic person may often look at a bad situation and go, holy smokes. Hey, everyone, this is bad. We got to figure out what to do. Right. Right. Whereas somebody who just looks at a bad situation and goes, there's nothing to be done. That's not, that's not really optimism or pessimism. It's just kind of, you know, denial. I think it's just right. um, a lack of perspective, but the optimistic viewpoint may indeed sometimes sound in, uh, actually quite negative, but it's, it's, so it's not a positive or negative thing, optimism. It's really a, a what do we need to do to get over what we, what we have. Um, and it's, it's actually independent of pretty much all these, these external factors. It's, it's a beautiful, the research on optimism is very, um, pardon the expression, it's very helpful. It's very, um, it's nice too. It's not, you know, a lot of the meditation literature really depends on our ability to sort of um, gain a deeper awareness and anybody can, of course, through sitting and through reflection and through all those practices. But what I like about optimism, it's very, um, it's, it's very cognitive in the sense that you, it, it is really a matter of thinking about things in a specific way that it doesn't, you can still feel really crummy and be optimistic at the same time. Um, It's really just thinking that like, I'm going to make something good out of this. Absolutely. Uh, what, what I, and I apologize for cutting you off there. The, the powerful statement you started with was this idea of separating the inner world from the outer world. Um, meaning just being aware that there's, there's inner workings and there's outer workings. So it's, it's funny because two episodes ago on the podcast, we, we devoted the entire mind bullet to to the environment and this idea that a rising tide lifts all boats and a receding tide thereby you know drains or lowers all boats so the environmental impact is one it, it just brought us to this discussion glenn about you know the three circles right there's the 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 circle of control things we can control. Then there's the circle of influence. Uh, those things we, we can't necessarily control, but we can influence like you and I are talking, you're influencing my thinking. And then the, the outer circle is the circle of concern. And that's really the environment. And we can't necessarily influence, certainly not, not perhaps not directly, 
Um, so, so knowing where to focus our energy because there's only so much attention and energy we have. And it, it's that, that understanding about the environment that, that in theory should direct our energy and attention inward to those things we can control, like our attitude. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the, the, it gets really, you know, you can get pretty deep here in that, that the more you think about it, that actually the less distinction there is between the inner and outer world, but then <laughs> it gives you more distinction. I don't know. It's kind of a weird, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a mental pretzel. Um, yeah, sure. At a certain point, it's, it, it you inverts. Know, Got it. Yeah. But it, it's, but it, you know, I mean, it, that's more just something that I think comes from sitting and thinking and feeling um, for a long time. I think just to explain it though, I think it's perfectly satisfactory to explain it as, Hey, there's things that happen in the world and there's things that we think about those things. And, and here we're talking about our thinking about our thinking. <laughs> yep. Um, and so, okay, there, there you go. That gives us some tools to kind of frame things to say, maybe we, maybe we can look at this in a specific way. Um, and what you'll find is very much that, that the tools are actually uncovered. They're not necessarily built. I think particularly gratitude, um, is so often treated as sort of a, a mental hack or a, a life shortcut or right. something like that. And, and I find the more accurate way to think of it is really just that it's, it's less about, um, trying to hack our happiness and more about just sort of unveiling all the great things that help us live our life and help us sustain it. And what it gets down to at the, the logical end of this is, is a gratitude just for life itself. Um, and that, that's something where even if you have one, one more breath to give, there can still be some element of gratitude to that. Um, there are these, you know, meditations called the find something nice meditation. This is a great thing. I think everybody can do is it's called, it's called find something nice or that's kind of what I'm calling it. Find something nice. Got it. Find something nice. And, um, and it's, uh, I didn't come up with this. I just call it that. But the, the meditation is that, um, at any given moment, there's probably one thing that looks smells, feels, or sounds nice. That sounds okay, right? So even if we are sitting here with immense worry about what's going on, and the, the coronavirus in particular is very mentally insidious, or at least I find that it is, because if you sit in your house, that's actually doing the right thing. And <laughs> yeah, it's very, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's very Buddhist, right? That like doing nothing is doing everything. Yeah. <laughs> And it is just a crazy idea. Um, and so, so even while we're sitting here, we may be overcome with the anxiety of what's happening out there, what's ha- what, what is to come, um, and, and anger, fear, all the, all the different uncomfortable emotions that we can have. New listener, the quickest way to get up to speed here at Habits to Goals to understand how it is you are going to craft intentionally. The good supportive habits that will help you reach your goals more quickly. The process we follow is PAR. Plan, act, 
record and reassess. That's it. It's fairly simple. You have three ways to get your free tracking sheet, which will get you straight up to speed very quick. So you can go to thehabitfactor.com forward slash templates. You can text the word habit, H-A-B-I-T-S, to 33444. And <laughs> finally, to give you additional resources, just use your favorite search engine or and or Google and just type PAR, P-A-R-R, in the habit factor. For those of you looking for a super, super deep dive on habit, the book, that's right, it's almost 10 years old. Check out the habit factor on Kindle. It is, I believe it's $3.99 or $4.99, practically free. Of course, it gives you not just a deep dive on habit, but, but really walks you through the habit factor process. So there are a handful of options for the new listener. Which are natural and, and acceptable. And at the same time, if you just sit there and sit at this exact moment, this time, if we're fortunate, right? Not everyone is so fortunate, but let's, let's make some assumptions that, that people are able to wow. sit at home and can, can do these things. And even if you're, even if maybe you're somewhere in the middle where, where this is causing a loss of income, um, or some other thing is, is hurting, right? Which certainly hurts. Um, even in the midst of that, and this doesn't minimize it. It's, it's not at all that there, there's a few things that I think are really interesting is still, even in the midst of that to sit and go, does something feel nice right now? Like, do the socks on your feet feel okay? Like, do, does your pinky toe, is your pinky toe in pain right now? And I hope it's not, but it it probably is probably doing okay. And you can sit there and be like, you know what? (laughs) I was doing okay. Um, You know, and, and you can cycle through these, even in times when we're in immense pain, why not give yourself a, a 30 second vacation to think about, something else that's good. And of course we're wired for pain. We're wired to find threat. We're wired to um, focus on, on these, these anxieties because this probably was probably helped us survive as a species. Right. right. Um, and so, so there's fine, there's function in that there's function. I mean, I think a little bit of anxiety is actually what's driving us to protect each, our, each other. So in right. that regard, even we can be grateful for the anxiety because that's what's helping us collectively as a society deal with this. So even in and itself is is not um, uh, bad. It's sort of what we do with it, sort of how we think about that anxiety that may matter uh, more than the anxiety itself. I so that's so great, and I because you went down this road, I'm just gonna throw it out there and see if it sticks. But <laughs> you, you talked about Buddhism, and you're talking about meditation. Are are you familiar with the Noble Eightfold Path? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And you know what it begins. Don't ask me to repeat them. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, well, I, was just ask you. So, I could guess a few of them, but I don't really, know if I could. Do well, all eight. <laughs> really. First of all, it's extremely relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it's very important. The order is not an accident. So, and and it fits precisely with what you're talking about. So the first path is what is called right view. And so you're sitting there and what is right view? Well, 
yeah, there's chaos in the world, but right view also says I'm sitting here in a house, I'm well fed, my family's healthy, and you go down this path of, you know, there's a roof over my head, and and that leads you, or at least in my experiment, uh, experience me right down the gratitude path right away. Yeah, because oh, yeah. right yeah. right view yeah. says I have my legs, I have my fingers, I can see. I can breathe. Um, you know, you feel awful for all the craziness that's out there, but right view is saying this, this is taking me down the gratitude path. And then the next one, right? So yeah, it, the next one is right intention and we don't need to go through all of them, but, but right view is really, I think parallels perfectly with, what you're talking about here. I love it. Yeah, that that's that fits so nicely. You know, and and the thing is um I learned a lot a few years ago from breaking my foot. Um Oh yeah. And it's not a big deal, right? Like people go through people go through much much worse, of course, but um you know, I I shattered the bone in the uh-huh. ball of my foot and it was it hurt. <laughs> and I remember I was just I had it was at a time in my life when I was actually more healthy, it was more physically fit. Like it would, you know, it was quote unquote, everything is going great except for that thing. Right. And it made me so mad at that one thing. Mm. Um, and, and what's funny is I still remember though, even this one moment when um, I decided rather than, rather than distancing myself from the pain, I would just think about it and channel all of my attention toward it. And just say, I don't want to, I'm going to feel only the thing in the ball of my foot. And I was laying, laying down after, um, a shower. So it was really hot. Like it was the most painful thing. Um, the most painful part of it. And the more I actually just started thinking more and more about the, my foot exactly and focusing all my attention on it, the less of a story I was telling about how awful it was. Wow. And the more curious I was about just exactly how it felt, where it felt, I was like, oh, it's, it's very hot. Um, it feels hot. It feels spiky, you know, and just trying to put some words on it. And it was amazing. I actually like had, had this immense clarity where I had the pain completely, but had no internal dialogue about how awful the pain was. Um, Huh. And it, and it passed eventually, you know, right. a few minutes later, I was like, wow, this sucks, you know, forget well, this. But it gave me that moment of going, wow, you know what? The, the, the story isn't the thing, you know, and that's the view. That's the right view is, huh. You know, what if we actually look at the things that, that give us the most anxiety in a, in a way that's just accurate, that forces us to think correctly about how we can, we can help other people help ourselves break down the things that um, that might might prevent us from seeing these issues accurately. And I thought you were going to go down the, the path incorrectly, of course, but I thought you were going to go down the path. Once I broke my foot, I was like, damn, I'm so grateful. This is the first <laughs> time that's ever happened. And I've had a good foot for my whole life. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, there's an interest here, Martin. Let's talk, let's dive into that. I think it's really interesting, right? Um, one of the things that, um, 
that that we do during tough times is this cognitive bargaining. <laughs> where, sure. Right. And um, and we all do it, of course. And it is one of the one of the five aspects of grieving. I wouldn't call it a, the five stages. There's a whole thing on, on grieving, by the way, that I think is really interesting. Um, but but one of the strong aspects of of grieving is to bargain, is to say, well, at least blah blah blah. At least it's not this, or at least I had that. Um, and it can kind of feel. Sometimes it can feel really good, and then other times I can find that that the slippery slope of bargaining is makes me feel worse, you know, especially when, um, you know, I think, I think the thing is that the, when, when bargaining is at its best is when we have something that's taken away and we know though, that we used it to the best of our ability while we had it, you know, to me, yeah. the most painful thing is when, um, like when you, when you do lose, um, you know, let's say you lose your cell phone, right? And you're like, oh my God, my phone was amazing. I, I needed that whole thing. And compared to going like, man, I used the the heck out of my phone. I got every bit I could out of it. And it, you know, got run over by a truck, <laughs> whatever. I don't know the storms making things up, but no, you know, like it, there's, there's-, there's, there's this weird bargaining thing where I think that the way to, you know, so in my case with my foot, it was, I was very grateful that my left foot was working. That's for dang sure. I'm so <laughs> grateful, you, you know? Um, and I, but I do think that that's why, you know, practicing gratitude to notice the things that are nice mm-hmm. also helps us so that when things are taken, we go, Hey, I, I enjoyed it while I had it, you know, and I, I I'm kind of riffing right now. I, I, I'd have to think about the long-term implications, but it's really interesting. And I think the one danger with these things um, you know, with gratitude, for instance, during a time like this, when people are getting sick, one of the things I, I would caution caution us against doing is saying, well, at least I'm not sick, right? Um, say that again? Oh, to say, one of the things I would caution us against is saying, at least I'm not sick. Right? Oh, great. At, at least I'm not one of the sick people. And typically, I would, this is a Brene Brown um uh, I don't know if your your listeners know Brene Brown, but she talks about vulnerability. She's she's a very well known uh, speaker, and she says that that one of the keys to empathy, if somebody tells you something that is um, really tough, it's never to start by saying, "Well, at least blank, at least you're not right. like Carl or whatever," right? Yep. And and I think that it actually pins very well into gratitude, where you're not saying, um, "Well, at least I'm not, at least I don't have the coronavirus." Because then, yeah, what happens if you do way, get it? It's right? a way to acknowledge the pain without just deflecting it into, well, at least you know you didn't lose your car. Exactly. Yeah. At least uh, it's not a hurricane, you it's, know, it's, or it's whatever. A way to yeah. acknowledge that, and and my wife, God knows, I can do better at that. <laughs> um, so <laughs> well, yeah. we all do it. We all do it. I just think that like it's it's better to say. I'm very grateful to be healthy right now. Right. It somehow just is very different than saying, at least I'm not one of the sick people. It's that social comparison, which again, we can't control. We can't control um, our past. Really. We can control how we think about this moment. And to me, I find that the better skill is to say, well, man, I'm really happy that I can breathe or I'm happy. I can um, move my pinky or whatever. Grateful. That's, that's where I think, you get more more bang for your buck out of gratitude by, so, by focusing on that. 
So a couple of things as we, because we're rounding third here, we're going to, we're going to button this up. <laughs> I, I just wanted to go through the, the stages of, I guess, grief that you touched on. So there's shock, there's pain and guilt, and I guess there's seven. So shock, pain, guilt, anger, and bargaining you just touched on, depression, reflection, um, and they call it the upward turn. I think I've seen that differently. And then, you know, ultimately there's acceptance and hope. So (laughs) we try to, we try to, uh, we try to accelerate and get to hope more quickly, ideally. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, where does, in your studies, I'm curious, because it seems that between, we were talking about optimism and being, you know, pessimistic or negative, it, it seems to me there there is this middle ground called realism. And, and I want to know where in your studies, in your, in your, I, I'm, I don't know if you have direct experiments with it. Where, where does realism fall or is it just somewhere on the spectrum here? Yeah. Well, I think that, that it's not the, the research shows that optimistic people are the most realistic. See, that's um, okay. So that's the, that's the cool thing about it. So there's this study, um, there's there's a few studies done by a researcher named Lisa Aspinwall. Uh-huh. Um, who's a fantastic uh, scientist on this. And um, so here's here's one study that I think is is good. And I'll circle back to the the grief thing in a moment. So um, the they had people come in who let's say they were all coffee drinkers. This wasn't exactly what they did, but just follow along. So imagine if you're a coffee. I'm drinking coffee every day, single day. Um, and they had people rate how optimistic they were about their health, called their health-related optimism. They classified people into either low, medium, or high level of health-related optimism, meaning that I can control how my health, that if I'm healthy now, I'll be healthier in the future, you know, that sort of thing, right? Like, I believe I will be healthier based on my current actions. Um, and so some people don't think there's anything you can do to be healthy. You just kind of are what you are, right? And some people think, no, 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 I control every single thing about this, right? And so that that's how they distinguished low, medium, and high optimism. And then they just measured how long people would read um, literature explaining the dangers of coffee, mm. right? And so the, the common conception is, so I want our listeners right now, just think for a second where you are on the coffee scale, how much coffee you drink, and how much do you want to read that article, right? <laughs> right? And and it turns out people vary a lot. Some people are like, nope, don't think, no thanks, I'm I'm good, right? And some people are like, well, of course I'm going to read the whole thing. And it turned out that people who are very high in health related optimism will spend considerably more time reading about the risks of their habits. Hmm. Um, and That's so they're right. much more likely to want the real story because they want to know if they need to change their behavior. Um, and, and so there's, there's another study about um, people receiving a cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. They measure their optimism and then they give them um, some very, very stern medical news that affects them personally. Mm-hmm. And they find that the people who are higher in optimism actually have lower levels of denial. They remember their prognosis better. 
they 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 know their treatment regime better. Their memory is functioning better during their visit with their doctors, mm. um, and they they actually are more in touch with the realism. And so that's the cool thing about that. That's why, like right now, is a time. Indeed, this is a time for optimism. Right, sure. this is a time for us to go. Okay, like this is real. We're also learning a lot about the future of work right now. We're learning a lot that I think a lot of people don't need to drive to work. I really, you know, I think right. I'm pretty happy right here. Right? You know, if I only had to go in. <laughs> yeah, I bet you, you know, are. Yeah, well, I mean, I being an academic helps, but, um, right. you know, I think we're learning a lot about work. We're learning a lot about the environment. I live in Los Angeles and man, it is beautiful. I mean, it's been raining, but there is something better about it being out there. People are walking around. We see kids riding their bikes through the street. Yeah. Um, and so where, where the optimism here is like, man, we, we, we need to look ourselves in the eye about how we're running our cities. Um, and then, and then our healthcare system too, right? We're learning a lot about like, boy, a stress test yep. shows that, that we're not running with a lot of extra capacity here. Like we, uh, we have to rethink this. We have to rethink the way these things work. So that's an optimistic thing. Well, what I love about, is you know, we, yeah. Uh, we slash you primarily have brought this, you know, everybody likes to think, I think of themselves as pragmatic and, and realist. <laughs> and, and sometimes this whole idea of optimism and gratitude seems a little fluffy, foo foo, right? Right. right. So, yeah, totally. So there's, but there's, I can tell you, you know, the old saying is that they've never, uh, <laughs> They've, they've never built a statue for a pessimist, right? <laughs> yeah, and, that's totally. And, and yeah. so it's not just foo-foo. It's a real ap- applicable talent and skill to develop optimism. So we're going we're gonna to leave with that. You're going to give us – you already talked about a couple tips. I want you to summarize two or three um, and and give us some – because it is a practice. This is how we develop habit strength. And you're going to tell us what we can do to create that habit strength and, and get us through this. So we come out the other side better, stronger, hopefully Love slimmer, this. slimmer and faster. <laughs> exactly. Slimmer, meaner, leaner. Right. Yeah, the whole deal. Yeah. There's uh, Martin, you're going to love this. It's absolutely habit based. Um, yeah. Um, and, um, there's, there's a lot of research on this and, um, what I call it, it's super simple. So sorry, we're not going to overcook. We're not going to give, you don't have to go buy a new Apple watch or some crazy thing. This is really low tech. You need a paper, a piece of paper and a pen or pencil. Um, and there's a journaling activity, which I call the best day ever. Um, And some people call it the best possible self. And I don't, I don't really like that telling because I think that we should ourselves, who ourself is has nothing to do with this. This is just our ability to make good decisions every day. So we call it the best day ever. And is um, it the best day? Sorry to interrupt, but is yeah, it, yeah. is it, um, cause there's a bit of overlap. Uh, I just want to, is it the best day ever or is it the best? day for today oh sorry yes no 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 sorry i'm thinking of something i the best term is called actually the best day possible okay so it's best day possible for today what that looks like okay exactly and so there's you can get as elaborate as you want 
but it's basically just the idea that setting our intention for what we do on a given day makes I, a huge oh difference. Just so simple, right? And so yeah, it, yeah, you no, can do it. Yeah, um, like this is your language. It's just well, what it, do you want to do in to, in to the, do it? Yeah. In the uh, the one journal we have created is called the Habit XP Planner. And one of the exercises is the ideal day, but there's also daily opportunities to, to really get on top of the day and, and go through that exact exercise. Now it's not called the best day today or today, but, but intention is right at the top. So that's fantastic. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So just, yeah, it's simple. Like write down your schedule, what you want to be doing when, and then why you want to do it, right? What's the purpose, Intention. Um, the intention behind it. And then, um, by the way, that is, yeah. path, that is path number two. So, yeah. so right view, number one, right, right intention is number two. Yeah. Maybe, maybe next time we'll go through the next two. <laughs> I love it. I know so, I need to, so, I used to have those memorized in college and I totally, I, they're blanking. I know right mind. We, no, right no, effort, it's right, intention. It's right view, right, right view. intention, right speech, oh, right. right action. Right effort, right livelihood, right mindfulness, and right concentration. Right. It's a great, it's a great, so I do have a memorized, and it's just a great meditation guide if you go through those over and over and over. It's really powerful. So the first tip, the first tip you left us with is to find something nice meditation. The second one is, this intention around the ideal day. Um, is there a third one? Yeah, simple. It's um, write down things you're thankful for. Oh, great. Gratitude list. Simple. You know, and so we have these, we'll do these workshops with, with people. And, and I've been fortunate to be drawn into a lot of, you know, organizations and groups. And, um, you know, I have these things, but it's, it's very simple. And it's just think of it as a little science experiment for the day. There's not really a wrong way to do it per se. Um, you know, just write three things you're grateful for, maybe as detailed as you like, and maybe things that you didn't notice before that you can um, draw from. You know, I think try not to say the same thing every day. Yeah, try to find something new. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. For air. Right. Yeah. If you, you know, you have to listen to what makes your heart sing. You know, okay. I mean, that's. That's the thing is, is so one day it might be the air, the next day it might be the sun, the next day it might be the reflection of the dust in the sunlight. I love it. Right. You know, I think the more vivid, the brain is a map maker. We, we didn't really talk about the brain today, but right. the brain, the brain loves a detailed map. And so when you're imagining these things, imagining them in as much detail as possible, imagining what's the, the motivation, what's the feeling you're going to have before you go do the thing that, that you know you need to do? What's the, what's the, the exact detail of the thing that you're so grateful for of the, oh, the wow. tenor just, oh. of your partner's voice, right? Or, or, you know, like there's, can you, that's, that's really where you're going to supercharge it. Can you remember that? I'm going to write this down, but I want to go, we're going to dedicate a whole show to, to getting into that. Uh, That'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I love that idea. So getting as creative as possible because as visual as possible, rounding out the senses, 
when you when you do this imagination exercise, uh, it sounds incredibly powerful the way you described it. Yeah, yeah, it gets easier and more fun um, and more powerful, and it it's triggering more emotion. I mean, it's triggering more of the body's um, circuitry for feeling. That's why having a very rich mental image of the things that make us feel grateful or thankful or appreciative or whatever. Um, that's where you get the the boost from it is through the, um, you know, the, the, the vivid imagery and detailed map making of whatever it is we choose to focus on. The emotional, uh, spark that it gets. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful and powerful. All right. Well, we've just kind of run out of time and, uh, I can't thank you enough for, for making the time. I just want to reiterate to the listeners that none of these tips work until you do. It's this idea that it's, it's not good enough to just kind of think about it. It's, it's put pen to paper and practice. And I would, if you know me, I would, implore you to use your free tracking app or your free tracking sheet. These are practices that develop into habits that will strengthen your optimism and gratitude. So Glenn, thank you so very much. That was fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Martin. And you know, in a time like this, I, I just uh, very timely and very helpful. So, I'm hoping others got as much value as I just did. My notes are all over, all over the place. That was fun, man. I think we I think we had a good little flow. Yeah. Well, I always do with you. You're so funny. <laughs> that way. Um, Likewise, man. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. I'm trying to find the buttons over my mic to check out here. Uh, hang on after we shut this off. Thanks. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, really quick, I just want to remind you if you want to grab your habits and goals tracking template, the template that started it all, you can get that really quickly. Just text me at 33444 and simply text the word habits. That is habits, H-A-B-I-T-S to 33444 and you will get the tracking template immediately. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thanks for dropping a quick review. It'll take you less than 30 seconds if you're getting value. I'm out.